This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. This is the place to hear fantastical fiction and hear from authors of fantastical news stories. This episode is another chapter in the fantasy novel Plantwise, book one in the Steward's World series. If you're ready for the magic of story, let's begin. Chapter 17 I hesitate to impugn a woman who is clearly living in great distress, unwarranted distress over a passing childhood illness, Jago added with a sniff. Yet I must state for the record that the stories of a marriage with Brentonwald and all the accompanying details are lies. You are the expert, aren't you? Arden's voice was crackling ice. We asked permission to come to Stonemount to ask Lord Ambrose's help. We made no demands, as you claim. So you say, Jago sneered. I think we should end this discussion before things turn unpleasant, Coleman cut in smoothly. There is the long tradition of friendship and partnership between our kingdoms. We don't want to harm it any further, do we? Humph, no. He glanced at the chair at the end of the table, which had been pulled out and waiting for him, but he had yet to take. Now he reached to put one hand on the arm, preparing to sit down. Forgive us for wasting your time, Lord Jago. Coleman gestured toward the door. If you leave now, you will be halfway to the border before dusk. I know you are uncomfortable in our rustic little kingdom full of farmers. The sooner you are home where you are comfortable, the better. Don't you agree? But we have important business to discuss. Jago gaped for a moment, almost prompting a chuckle from Alex. There is a food shortage in Stonemount, and the hunger in Stonemount is a passing minor affliction. Just like the illness plaguing my niece, Alex couldn't resist saying. He waited for Jago to recover from that setback and retort the hunger was real, as pervasive as Rilling's many old friends and other spies reported. Jago must have sensed their anger, ready to burst the tight restraints they held. If he realized that they wouldn't give him what he wanted, no matter what he said, or if he was afraid, it didn't matter. Swallowing loudly, visibly, the man backed out of the room, bowing just barely deep enough to be politically correct. Coleman hurried to slam the door closed before anyone could react and ruin their minor victory. We must act before they accuse us of trying to starve Stonemount, the old counselor said. I know. Alex's leg ached, just like it did when the winter storms got worse. He sighed and rubbed at his face and wished he could go to bed, but it wasn't even noon yet. Send patrols along the borders, and tell the people anyone who wants food may come to Westerland. But no nobles. No soldiers. Let Maddox feed his loyal followers. He thought he saw a flicker of satisfaction on the old man's grave face. Coleman bowed to them both and hurried to obey this new order. Alex watched his sister a few seconds, wondering when she would break. Well, little sister, what will you do now? he had to ask. Did you hear, she said in a soft, detached voice, that Maddox is offering a reward to anyone who can heal his tree? He needs those apples to placate Brentonwald, at the very least. No! He caught his breath as sudden understanding slammed him harder than the blow that had broken his leg. You can't! Maddox has taken everything else I love. He won't take Violet! She glared at her brother with all of Darian's fierceness. 
Several minor healers had come in to inspect the water and guide the removal of the golden box, and they examined everyone who lived or worked in the palace and had either eaten food prepared with water from the poisoned well or washed in that water. Everyone had showed faint signs of being poisoned, but the healers were able to reverse the damage. However, Violet, the only child in the palace, remained ill. The healers tried to be encouraging, but they had never dealt with this particular poison, so they could not predict when she would begin to heal, or if she would heal at all. Drastic measures were needed, such as the apples that had grown on Arden's tree last year. There was no promise of apples returning to the tree, although new leaves had started to appear. Once the poison had been removed from the roots and the tainted soil taken away, the magic of the tree had begun the healing. The only question was how long the tree needed to heal before it could produce the apples Violet needed. Fresh air seemed to do the ailing child some good, along with water drawn from other wells. Arden walked circles around her tree in the garden, holding Violet and making sure she got all the spring sunshine and fresh air she could take. Glynna found them there a few hours after Ambassador Jago left Portham in such a hurry. Violet clung to her mother's dress and watched the sunlight filtering through the half-bare branches and didn't smile when Glynna sparkled into view. "'Your own apple tree will heal her,' the woman said, after watching Arden complete two more circuits of the tree. "'Be patient. Trust Yeshen. You don't need Ambrose.' The blight of Maddox's evil has spread from Stonemount to Westerland, Arden said with a sigh. Are you telling me your magic isn't strong enough to overcome Maddox, even this far away? It couldn't protect my tree from the poison, could it? Every day I come out here and I beg and I cry and I scrape my hands raw trying to make it grow. What more can I do? A sob broke her voice. It's the bitterness in your soul, child. You're slowing the healing. If you don't give it up, learn to do as Stuart advised. The tree will fail utterly, and the poison will spread throughout Westerland, just like Maddox poisoned Stonemount. While you are here, you still have hope and some safety from Maddox's poison. Don't go into the heart of it. I need to try to find Ambrose. At least in Stonemount I have hope. Don't put yourself into Maddox's hands. Who says I will? Who says he will even know I'm there? Glynna paused several heartbeats, studying Arden's expression. Then she nodded that she understood, but didn't relax. If anything, her frown of concern deepened. Don't use Maddox's tricks. They'll destroy you instead of him. If you lie, even to Maddox, you will suffer for it. Mark my words. You can come with me, Auntie, or you can stay behind. It doesn't matter to me. She glanced once at the woman and started across the patchy grass to the palace doors. Oh no, I'm going with you. You need someone to think clearly. Glynna vanished with a sparkle of light. Glynna winced at the first crunching snick of the scissors as Arden cut off her luxurious knee-length spill of red-gold hair. Caitlin cried, though she muffled her sobs so she wouldn't wake Violet, who lay sleeping on her lap. Arden sat before her dressing-table mirror, wearing borrowed black widow's clothing, fitting for a peasant. After three strands of hair were cut off just past her shoulders and tossed aside, she could tell a difference. 
She looked smaller and felt lighter, without the frame of red gold outlining and defining everything she wore. Unwillingly, she thought of Darian, and how he loved to play with her hair, or bury his face in the fragrant silken strands when they were alone. Darian would approve of her disguise and subterfuge, Arden knew. Even if no one else precious to her approved, she knew Darian would. With the entire world looking on, the day Princess Fiera of Brentonwald arrived in Stonemount to claim her magic apples, Arden would claim her reward. She would tell them the truth behind Maddox's stories and machinations, and she would watch his power and pride vanish, eroded like bones touched by lime or rotten leaves thrown into a fire. She would be patient. She would play at being a lowly, filthy peasant to match Maddox's opinion of everyone in Westerland, and she would have her justice and Violet's life. If Yeshen blessed them, she would help Ambrose escape Maddox's control. If no one believed her testimony, with the healed tree and her healed child, they would believe Ambrose. Alex came quietly into the room when she was halfway done. He stared for several seconds as she clipped another long strand and tossed it onto the already high pile of shimmering red-gold silk. He swallowed hard and leaned a little deeper into his crutch. It creaked, and no one jumped. "'Well, at least no one will recognize you with your hair cut short,' he said, trying to smile as Arden met his eyes in her mirror. "'There's nothing I can do to stop you, nothing I can do to help. I'll check your tree every day, and I'll know if you're all right. The moment you're in trouble, I'll come with every soldier in Westerland.' His eyes were bright with a threat of tears, wide with pleading, begging her not to need his help. Arden nodded and tried to smile. She swallowed hard and blinked to fight the tears trying to betray her and turned back to her mirror. We've come to a break in the story. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a book that you might be interested in reading. The Guardians of the Time Stream are back. The steampunk gas lamp quartet re-releasing with new covers in print, ebook, and audio. Look for the entire series, starting with Odessa Fremont, then The Blue Lotus Society in September, Sanctuary in November, and Music in the Night in January. And check the Yield Dragon Books website to get the Guardians of the Time Stream short Christmas story, Crystal Christmas, at a discount price in the month of December. Members of the Ye Old Dragons Library Patreon group will have a chance to get the short story for free. And now, back to the story. In the years since King Doyne's death, the main border gate between Westerland and Stonemount had changed in unpleasant ways. The wall running along the border between the two countries had been expanded a mile in both directions, so that those standing at the gate couldn't see the ends where they vanished into steep ravines and cliffs. Finding more friendly terrain meant walking days in either direction, sometimes crossing into other bordering kingdoms first. The fierce terrain had been Stonemount's best defense. Now it was augmented with regular patrols to keep people from crossing over unseen and increasing rumors said the patrols were more to keep valuable artisans and merchants and scholars from leaving Stonemount without the throne's permission. The guards at the gate were the same men, but there was no lazy, cheerful gossip, 
No more stepping casually across the line in the dirt to share a mug of ale or fresh bread brought by a wife or mother or to teach games to the children who lived nearby. The gate had been built up taller and wider, the wood replaced with iron. The guards didn't even look across the wide bars of the gate, much less talk to each other. Trees had been cut down to make way for the wall, and cut back so far there was no shade and no chance for people to climb up unseen and drop over. The stream that meandered back and forth over the border had been dammed up, leaving stagnant little pools on either side of the wall, which bred flies and stank. The people no longer smiled as they waited to pass from one country to the other, and they had never waited before. They were all dusty and footsore, and refused to look at the guards who had once gossiped easily with them. The day that Arden arrived at the gate, all the traffic went from Stonemount to Westerland, every traveler burdened with their worldly goods. The sound of approaching hooves caused every head to turn, eyes wide in fear, expecting pursuit. Each time, it turned out to be a donkey, often pulling a cart, not a soldier or courier on one of the massive, death-black stallions King Maddox favored. Arden went on foot, carrying Violet in a basket on her back, sitting on top of their spare clothes, a few coppers, and enough food for the journey. She had considered taking a donkey to make the journey a little faster and smoother, but decided against it. A soldier's widow, desperate enough to go to Stonemount to seek her fortune, wouldn't have a donkey. Glinna, who floated several yards behind them, hadn't said a word since they left the palace two mornings ago before dawn, slipping out among the shadows. She drew no closer as they reached the border gate, and a Westerland guard saw them and blinked in surprise. He stepped away from the gate and waited until Arden came to a stop, just out of the flow of incoming traffic. "'Where are you going?' He looked a little abashed at his gruff tone, mostly from surprise. Arden didn't trust her voice, but simply gestured at the open gate. "'I know that.' He tried to smile. "'But a pretty little thing like you shouldn't be traveling alone, and certainly not there.' He hooked a thumb over his shoulder in the general direction of Stonemount. The guards on the opposite side ignored him, while the people who had just crossed over laughed, wearily, some of them bitterly. "'I don't know what idiot told you it would be better,' a gray-haired woman among the travelers said. But take my advice and stay home in Westerland. I can't. Arden nearly smiled when her voice came out a whispery rasp. My husband died in King Maddox's war. My only chance is in Stonemount. Relatives, the gate guard said. He sounded a little relieved at his own suggestion, and Arden's heart warmed to him for his concern. They must be nobles. They're the only ones who still have a good life in Stonemount. Your child? The woman had stepped around to Arden's side and looked into the basket. She smiled at pale little sleeping Violet and tisked. Poor thing. How long has she been sick? Since her father died. Everything has been wrong since her father died. Arden set the basket down so she could see Violet and check her. If you're thinking of the king's magic apples, forget them. The tree is dying. And even if it weren't, King Maddox won't share, even for the sake of a child. The weariness in the woman's voice couldn't mask her anger, and that encouraged Arden. There were people in Stonemount who didn't believe Maddox's lies. I heard the king will give anything to the one who heals his tree. If anyone can. He's earned every misfortune. But why do the rest of us have to suffer? Because, 
her balding, red-faced husband said as he joined them. We were stupid enough to believe him. If you have no one else, little one, come stay with us. No one should be so desperate they put their hope in King Maddox. We'll take care of you. Thank you. Arden's voice broke, aching for tears. You have no idea how much your words mean to me. But I must go on. She nodded thanks to them, then slung her basket over her shoulder and stepped up to the gate. A few travelers murmured and shook their heads as the guard opened the gate to let her through. Good luck, the guard muttered. He tried to smile as she started down the long trade road heading for the capital. The fates bless you. That was very kind, Glenna said. I was ready to believe everyone in Stonemount was a fool and utterly selfish. That prompted a sad smile from Arden. She said nothing, but kept her face turned toward the capital, the palace, her tree, and Ambrose. Two days later, a courier raced past Arden when she halted by the side of the road to rest and drink and wash her face at a stream that was little more than a trickle. She was so caught up in the hint of color returning to Violet's pale cheeks, she barely noticed the straining black horse, coated in dusty lather, and the panicking courier clinging to the saddle. If she had, she would have wondered what terrifying news the man carried. If she could have stood in Maddox's study that evening when the king heard the report, she would have laughed at the man's consternation, and then been very afraid. She was the cause of the hasty message. By slipping away so early in the morning, dressed as a peasant, Arden had avoided the notice of the spies set to watch the palace. Maddox wanted every detail of Violet's lingering illness and Arden's torment as she watched her child die. Arden spent so much time indoors with her ill child, they didn't realize she had vanished until two days later. The page boy who stood before the king quaked in his boots as he finished reading the message aloud. Maddox, Jago, Clancy, and Bathan sat frozen for several seconds after the boy spoke. Maddox grew alternately white, then red, in reaction to the words. The four had been playing their favorite game— moving markers across a vast map of the surrounding dozen countries, planning invasions and how the power would be divided, once Maddox took over Westerland, then Ambray, then someday moved one of his sons or grandsons onto the throne of Brentonwald. The goals never changed, but as obstacles arose or fell, their strategy and timing altered to fit. "'What did you say?' Maddox said, his voice almost too quiet." The page's face grew so white it seemed to leach color from his midnight hair. Princess Arden and her daughter have vanished from the palace, sire. No one knows where they have gone. She is coming here to see Ambrose. That's the only answer. He stared unseeing at the army markers in front of him. Then that solves your problem, Clancy offered with a grin. No one would be surprised if the journey killed the brat. And if her poor, distraught mother died of grief, Bathan added, his voice dripping with false concern. Watch the borders. I want her the minute she touches Stonemount soil. Maddox slammed a clenched fist down onto the map, making all the markers jump and fall. He grinned, baring his teeth like a hyena about to feast. Kill her? Bathan nearly drooled as he asked. Idiot! I need her to heal my tree. Then we kill her? Clancy asked. That is a foolish waste of resources. Jago very carefully didn't look at any of them as he spoke. You need her to give you a legitimate claim. I know that. 
Maddox leaped to his feet and pounded both fists on the table, so the Marquis jumped and toppled over. Just how am I to marry and breed sons on two princesses at the same time? Clancy chuckled and slouched back in his chair, while Bathan waggled his eyebrows suggestively. For once, their filthy thoughts didn't amuse Maddox. Just consider that her presence will protect you from having to marry Fiera and worry about being poisoned the moment she gives birth to your heir, Jago said. Now he looked up at Maddox, and the irritation and growing disdain hinted in his voice were clear in his eyes, if not the rest of his expression. Send your special troops in disguise to hunt for her. Capture her. Treat her badly to ensure her child dies and she is ill and confused by the time she arrives here. Convince her you have rescued her. Then treat her far better than she deserves. Sweep her off her feet with passion and marry her before she can think clearly. He spread his hands, palms up, as if he were presenting a gift to his king. Just think what good you will gain from your own people. Everyone loves a love story. Regularly dose Arden with all those nasty little potions and powers your pet alchemists have been creating for you all these years to keep her confused and compliant. He snorted, a glint of amusement in his eyes when Maddox flinched at that statement. Oh, you thought I didn't know about your little hobbies? Jago shrugged. All that matters is gaining control of her mind, her will, her heart. When she is devoted to you, then the poison coming out of that dratted tree will end and healing will begin. It can't help turning to a blessing once the silly girl is reunited with her tree and she agrees that she gave it to you as a love gift. Get her pregnant as soon as you can and gain yourself at least two years of freedom and time to protect yourself against Brentonwald's schemes. If you're clever, you can blame Brentonwald for Arden's death in retribution for interfering with their plans for your throne. Maddox could almost forgive Jago for his disdain and irritation and that glimmer of self-satisfaction. The man had proven useful, after all. That didn't mean he wouldn't hesitate when the timing was right to have Clancy kill him. He had promised Clancy he could do it, after all, and a wise man never broke the promises made to useful, loyal allies. We're already at the end of today's chapter. I hope you enjoyed yourself and you're eagerly looking forward to the next episode of Ye Old Dragons Library.